It is here. It is finally upon us. The college football national championship game. And if you don't know, that is between the Michigan Wolverines and the Washington Huskies. This is number one and number two. I mean, this is pretty much how it was drawn up. When you see the rankings, the final rankings, you think, all right, these are the two best teams. It should be the two best teams at the end. Well, that is exactly what happened this year when Michigan defeated Alabama in the Rose Bowl and Washington defeated Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, sorry, Cotton or Sugar Bowl? I, I keep forgetting. I keep confusing oh, them too. Washington, Texas was a Sugar Bowl. Sugar Bowl, my apologies. Yeah. But yes, where Washington defeated Texas in the Sugar Bowl. So like I said, we got number one. We've got number two here, and it is finally upon us. So going into this game as of right now, Michigan, money line, it's minus 192 favorites. Could shock some people, but they are also – Four and a half points is the spread right now in favor of Michigan. And we're looking at the over-under of 56 and a half points. So I'm really interested to see how our guys feel about this. I'm interested to see how you guys feel about this. Do you think these numbers are right? Uh, And we are going to have a special debate today. This is a bonus session here, and we are hopefully giving you guys a treat while we cover the national championship game. So first things first, welcome guys. This is Total Sports Talk Beyond the Lights. I am your host, Matthew Raritan, and with me today, even though he's still not feeling 100%, is my co-host, David Street. What's up, everybody? And we also have Ed Smith. Welcome, y'all. And besides college football, we are all three happy today. Our teams won, and our all three of our teams in the NFL are going to the playoffs. Me being the Steelers fan, and if you can't tell with David, being the Bucks fan and Ed with the cheese head in the back and the hat, Packers fan. So we are happy there. But this is not about NFL today. This is about college football, and we are going to debate. And the debaters today is going to be David and Ed. And I'm going to start here first with offense. Who has the better offense going into this game? And I want to hear your guys' opinions. So, Ed, why does Michigan, do you feel, have the better offense going into this game? Well, Michigan, or as some would like to say, Baltimore Ravens of the college rings, uh, (laughs) would like to say they do not have the explosion that – you're going to find from Washington, but I got to tell you, they are efficient and they will move you down the field against your will for four quarters. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. Uh, Michigan for points per game is at 36.0, which is 12th in the country that, but it's half a point per play. So that's kind of an anomaly uh, when it comes to a uh, number of plays being running college football, you know, you see your 90 plus play offenses, you know, you're talking at half a point of play, you're talking 72 to 75 plays a game and you're getting a point every other play. So that is, you know, just efficiency in and of itself. Now, when you start looking at uh, taking a deeper dive into you know, how they get down the field, they're, they're number 22 in third down conversions and number three in fourth down conversions. That means that they run it down 
down to where it's fourth and one and convert the fourth and one with a running attack that is just steady and punishing, you know, with that offensive line being an NFL offensive line pushing with Blake Corum in the backfield who had 25 touchdowns this season. Yes. I realize a lot of these numbers are against big 10 opponents, but guess what? A lot of Washington's numbers were against PAC 12 opponents. So let's, I will take some salt on that one. Uh, as we go through and take a look at the different sections of the offense, you know, as I mentioned, Blake Quorum, he's dynamic. He is a thousand yard rusher again at 4.7 yards a carry, 1,100 yards. Uh, he's got the changeup of Donovan Edwards. JJ McCarthy can run when he needs to. These are things that will stress a defense and just put a lot of pressure on the other team to just not feel squeezed by this offense. You know, a squeeze they because they squeeze you like a sponge. They will squeeze the lifeblood out of you if you let them. And nobody's really been able to stop that. You take a look at the game against Alabama. You know, they were in control of that game. Less than 11 points that they gave away through special teams, which we'll get to that in a minute. They basically own that game. So I, I don't see how Washington is going to be able to keep up when you have such limited possessions. I'm looking at number of possessions that needs to be set at about eight possessions for each team. You know, if we hit eight possessions or less for Michigan, Michigan runs away with this thing. You know, because you're going to have Washington just trying to fling the ball down the field and get more possessions, and they're just not going to be able to do it. You know, with uh, with the passing offense, they are efficient as well. Nine yards a pass attempt. That is one of the uh, that is top fourteen in the country with a seventy three percent completion percentage. You know, so what's happening and what I've seen from them is that running game is getting those safeties to creep down and they creep down and they creep down. And then all of a sudden RPO hits uh, and they hit, uh, hit Roman Roman Wilson, you know, over the top and it becomes an explosive play because they are so punishing within that five to 10 yard zone running the ball. It, it is creating so many more opportunities over the top. You know, there are so few interceptions throw when they do throw that it's going to be tough to turn the tide against this offense uh, because they are number one in turnover margin in the country. So they're not giving the ball away enough to let the other team back into it. So overall, this is going to be a slow, steady, methodical offense going against a Washington defense, you know, and basically imposing their will. And the more that their will gets imposed, the less chance that Washington's going to have. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, pretty much what I'm hearing is that they are a clean and efficient team on offense. And they have been showing that throughout the whole year. But, uh, you know, I want to hear David's take on why Washington – is the best offense going into this game. 
Well, why is Washington the best offense? Because quite literally across the board, they are. I mean, I think it's cool and all that Michigan is efficient, but across the board, Washington is literally the better offense, especially in the most important uh, categories in total offense uh, and uh, uh, scoring offense. And at the end of the day, guys, this is still a quarterback's league, you know, and Michael Penix, I won't say he's far and away better than uh, than uh, J.J. McCarthy, but there's a reason why Penix was a Heisman finalist and why um, McCarthy was not. And when you look at the schedules, like when you look at the teams that Washington has faced, Washington has beaten some very good, very sound defenses. You know, uh, Oregon, Texas, Arizona, Arizona State, Oregon State. All these teams are, and Utah, I almost forgot about Utah. All these teams are very are very sound uh, defensively, and Washington has beaten all those teams. Uh, Oregon twice, especially. Um, you know, you look at the balance of the teams. Ed, Ed talks about Blake Corum, who is a phenomenal running back. The dude has 25 scores on the ground, which, to be honest with you, I did not realize he had that many touchdowns on the ground. I mean, I knew, obviously, that he was a very good player this year, as he's been a very good college player. But I did not realize that he's that he's had that many touchdowns. But I would still give the edge to Washington. Now, you might think, well, Washington's a pass-first offense. And that is true. So you would think that Washington would not be so balanced. But, guys, Dylan Johnson ain't no scrub either, right? He's got 16 touchdowns on the ground, you know, 1,000 yards, 1,000-plus yards. I look at it as Michigan has a very good running back and a very good quarterback. I don't know if I can call Blake Corum an elite uh, running back just because I think in order to, to be elite, you have to have a lot more yards on the ground than he has right now. Whereas Washington has Washington has a very good running back and an elite quarterback, and I think that is the best combination of the two. Now, that being said, it should be noted that even though Washington has one of the best offenses in the country and certainly far and away the best passing offense in the country – their offense does slow down a little bit, especially in, in the second half. So in the first quarter and the second quarter, they're both uh, top 10. They're, uh, I believe, seventh in first quarter scoring, and they're in the top five in second quarter scoring. But in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, um, their offensive numbers go go down, uh, you know, qu- quite a bit to the point where they're below the uh, they're, they're below the 30s. They're well into the 40s and 50s in, in the second quarter uh, scoring. Obviously, it hasn't affected them uh, that much as they still have been able to uh, go 14-0. But that's just something that I think, uh, you know, um, I think I think Michigan will uh, have to take into, uh, into consideration. But all, you know, all, all that being said, um, I, still, I still like Washington in this game, uh, mainly just because of the quarterback play. Yeah, you know, Blake Corm is what I like to call all reliable. He has been pretty steady always for Michigan. You could always count on him. And yeah, putting up 27 touchdowns this year. I mean, when it is a goal line uh, situation, they go to him every single time. He is their power back there. So I will say that when it comes to that. But, you know, we are also looking at the new rules in college with the time with how the the clock is running the game clock and it 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 is shortening uh possessions 
per game for teams. And that's where if you heard Ed's point about if it's under X amount of possessions, it could rule in Michigan's favor. The thing with Washington is you, you said it, David, they do have an elite quarterback. Whereas I don't believe Michigan does. Um, And there is a reason that Washington and Michael Penix Jr. He was the runner up in Heisman. They had a semifinalist with Rome Odunze in the Boletnikoff Award, who is going to be a first-round pick. And they did win the Joe Moore Offensive Line Award. Granted, Michigan, they did have an injury um, with uh, during the game against Ohio State where it was a big blow to their offensive line. But Michigan, come this draft, is going to have five or so offensive linemen drafted pretty much in the first couple rounds alone. That's just how elite their offensive line is. But the way I look at things is throughout the entire year and even going into the postseason, I'll say the uh, semifinalist of the college football playoffs, Washington continued their dominance on offense. So when it comes to this, these two offenses, I have to give the edge to Washington. So that has uh, my advantage is Washington's offense going into this game. But – Things could be a little different, like David said, going into the second half um, of the game, Washington's to slow down. Well, they're going to be playing a very good defense in Michigan. And so I will get to Ed here in a bit when it comes to their defense, but I want to hear David. I want to hear you talk about Washington's defense. Do they have the edge going into this game? Well, listen, when you hear the words Washington Huskies, are you thinking about the defense? Probably not, right? You're thinking about the offense because that's what Washington is known for. They are known as an offensive team and they're not, they're not elite defensively. I think, I think Washington fans, players, coaches will be the first to, uh, to uh, tell you that, but here's the thing. While Washington may, may not be known for its defense, that doesn't mean you should sleep on its defense either. Um, one stat I found particularly inter- particular, particularly interesting is that Washington's defense at, is actually at its best in the fourth quarter. Not in terms of like raw numbers or or anything like that, but just in comparison to where all the other FBS defenses are, are at. Like if you compare their defense to other uh, Division One defenses, Washington uh, performs its best in the fourth quarter, right? And w- when you're being led by an elite uh, air attack offense like like that, um, the best thing you can ask for is a defense that shuts the door, um, you know, in the fourth quarter. And, uh, and then also, um, again, when I'm looking at the schedules here, um, I don't want to discredit Michigan too much because, of course, they have a phenomenal defense. But let's face facts here. Who was the best quarterback that Michigan has faced? Jalen Milroe, Talia Tagviola, maybe. Um, who, who's the guy from Ohio State that just transferred? Obviously not McCord. that one because I because I can't remember his name. Um, but yeah, who, who, whoever that whoever that guy was. I mean McCord. No, McCord, thank you, Kyle McCord. I mean, no offense to Michigan fans, but. It, it, your defense didn't exactly face the murderers or row of quarterbacks. Whereas, meanwhile, look at who uh, you know Washington ha- has uh, faced uh, defensively. Um, no, uh, Noah Fafita, um, Qu- Quinn Ewers, Bo Nix, twice. And sure, you know they let it, let up points against those guys, but at the end of the day, they were still able to to get the win because they were able to shut things down. You know when they mattered the most. 
And I think if Washington can turn this into a high-scoring game, if they can turn this into the game that they want, which obviously it's easy to say, well, if Michigan can turn the game they won, which is fair. But if Washington can turn from the very beginning, can turn this into the kind of game you know they want, the, the kind of a air, air raid style that, that, that they want, I think that's a dangerous position for Michigan to uh, be in because then they're like they're kind of in that in that trap. They're in Washington's trap trap right there because the Huskies are playing the kind of style that that suits them. And when it comes to the fourth quarter with all the points that Washington has uh, scored, then they can re- rely on their defense to uh, shut shut things down. So as I said, Washington is not known for its defense. Um, but hey, you know what, guys. Obviously, Washington's defense has not been uh, has not been bad, bad enough um, because Washington is fourteen zero at the end of the day. It's not like it's not like LSU's defense, which was just absolute trash. And LSU did have a, a better quarterback, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Washington—they've had several games this year where their defense has actually kept them in the game because their offense just decided they didn't want to show up. We saw that in the Arizona State game, um, it, and we saw that Washington State as well. It's their defense has held them in games, or at least kept them in games, just enough for their offense to put something together. And it's weird to even say that because here we were just talking about how Washington's offense will have the edge going into this game, but. Uh, their defense, that although they aren't known as to be the greatest defense, they do have some pieces there. I mean, Muhammad at cornerback, I mean, we saw what he was able to do uh, against Texas. Uh, Trice, I mean, uh, he's gonna he's a first-round pick right there. So they do have some playmakers there. But Michigan, I, you know, I, I want to hear what Ed has to say when it comes to Michigan and their defense and how steady they've been throughout the whole year. Well, people say that uh, the best defense is a good offense, and that's that's complimentary football. That is what Michigan does. Uh, now, yes, Washington is top tier as far as all these offensive categories, but guess who is top tier in all these defensive categories? This is Michigan's bag, 100%. In fact, there's a story floating around that a couple years ago, Jim Harbaugh went to his brother, John, and said, who can we get to install the Ravens defense in my team? And he was like, Jesse Minter or Mike McDonald. And lo and behold, they got Jesse Minter. And guess where the defense is? It's right at number one. This is a a defense that not only gets after you on the defensive line, but they also defend on the back end. It, it, now, going to Washington's offense, they remind me a lot of, for all the old heads out there, the 98 Vikings. They had three great receivers and a running back that could kill the clock once they got a lead. Well, guess what? In this game, I don't think Washington's going to get a big enough lead to lean on that run game the way that they have uh, getting up to the 14-0. Because... Uh, Michigan's defense is uh, number 20 in opponent red zone scoring, which Washington doesn't really do a whole lot of because they do a lot of bombs away. But it's 4.1 yards per play, which is number four in the country. Uh, 10.2 points per game. 
that is number one in the country. You know, these are all all stats that are going to make a huge difference to Washington's offense. You know, that run game that has killed the clock for Washington as they slow down and drain the clock in the second half, which is why uh, Washington's defensive numbers look so good in the fourth quarter. It's all, <clears throat> Michigan's only giving up three yards a rush, which is top seven in the country. So these are all uh, things that, you know, as a collective group, they're doing very well. But you know what else they do? They do not let wide receivers just run amok on them. You know, they are <clears throat> getting them on the back end. In fact, there are eight players with more than three pass defense, three or more uh, passes defended. And uh, if you really want to look at a shining star in the defensive backfield, Mike Saren still, he has five interceptions, two forced fumbles, and six passes defended. He is going to, he needs to be the guy on Odunze, you know, to keep that neutralized because, you know, with the other cornerbacks that are there, they're going to be able to match up well against the Washington wide receivers. And yes, those receivers are going to get theirs, but I doubt that we're going to see Michael Penix Jr. complete 90% of his passes the way that he did against Texas. There was some stickum stuff going on in that game, and I, I don't couldn't understand how that was happening. But that's not going to happen in this game. Washington's going to try and push the tempo in the first half to create those extra possessions like I talked about before. Michigan's not going to let them. It is going to be a total, you know, irresistible force versus immovable object, you know, when it comes to the Washington offense to Michigan's defense. And that's really going to be the game. It is going to be that um, more award-winning offensive line for Washington against Michigan's defensive line. I think that's where this game is won and lost. And I'm taking defense to win championships all day long. Yeah, I mean, because that's what they've always done. I mean, I was talking uh, with Ed the other day actually about this and uh, going into the national championship game back in uh, the 2019-2020, and that was LSU versus Clemson. Uh, Anytime number one offense versus a number one defense had played, the defense won every single time. And now that has changed because LSU won that game. So, how are things going to play out this game? Because you have, I know Washington isn't the number one offense, but they are top three, and that is statistical, whereas Michigan is the number one defense. So I'm interested to see how this is going to go, but I have to lean on defense towards Michigan, clearly. They have proven that the entire year, and uh, they are going to show that in the national championship game, but to what extent against this uh, elite offense. So uh, just to cover really quick, although Michigan's offense is no scrubs, I don't think they are as elite on offense as Washington and vice versa on defense where uh, Washington's defense is not horrendous. However, though, they are not Michigan's defense. So I would have to go with Michigan's defense having the advantage there. But this is where things get very interesting. This is where I think it is very close, and that is special teams. And special teams is 
several different categories in itself with kicking, punting, returns, you name it. But this is where, when you look at the stats, it is very close. So, Ed, can you take us through here on why you think Michigan's uh, special teams, even though the blunders they had last week, is still going to be the better team? Well, with Michigan, uh, their uh, transfer from Louisville, James Turner, he is 16 of 19 on field goals this year, 61 of 62 extra points. That's a lot of consistency uh, for a field goal kicker for as many times as he's been trotted out there. Now, the overall conversion is 66%, but when you don't need to kick that many field goals because you are dragging the other team down the field to the end zone, you know, you just don't need to do it that often. Now, I will say the one of the big, you know, I put this under special teams, but it's really about the entire team. It's just a special deal. It's the penalties. Right now, Michigan is showing number one in the country in penalties per game, 2.9 called against them. So less than three penalties per game called against them and giving up only 26 penalty yards per game. That means to what you said earlier, Matthew, they play a clean game offensively and defensively. Now, they were exposed a little bit on the operation of special teams uh, during that semifinal game, and I'm sure there was a lot of stair running uh, to clean that up (laughs) over this week uh, for the uh, special teams group. But the other part, uh, the other thing that I put under special is time of possession. Time of possession for Michigan has been 54% in their favor versus Uh, their opponents. That is a tremendous chunk and not allowing a lot of time for the other offense to play. So you throw those specials in there and then it comes down to coaching. You know, Jim Harbaugh, he's been there. He's seen this. He has seen this on the biggest stage there is. He is going to have his team ready for this. And, you know, so he will have all this operational stuff cleaned up. The team is going to play clean. They're going to hold on to the ball. These are all things that are going to lean in Michigan's favor. Yep. I mean, having to clean up those, uh, I'll say jitters, because they have been consistent all year on special teams. But the jitters they had in the Rose Bowl, you can't have that in the national championship game. It does not get any bigger than this. And And against a team like Washington and their offense, you can't afford any blunders, any jitters, any turnovers. Um, But with that being said, though, they have been very consistent with uh, James Turner for the most part on uh, uh, field goals and extra points. Um, But there's also another kicker that has been very consistent throughout the year, and I'm pretty sure David's going to talk about that with Washington. So, David, I mean, how are you feeling on the Washington end and why they have the edge going in? Well, I think Washington should feel great about its uh, special teams because, as you alluded to, uh, Grady Gross has been money this year. He's made all of his uh, uh, extra point attempts, and he's made 80% of his uh, field goal attempts. As I said, money. You know, guys, when I was was comparing um, special team stats between Michigan and uh, Washington, it was tough for me because they're they're fairly – uh, evenly matched, but 
I think ultimately, I think you have to give the edge to uh, Washington here because uh, they say defense wins games, right? Well, if you look at Washington's special teams defense, I think you'll see that it's actually better um, than uh, th- than Michigan's. And you know, an opponent uh, punt returns, uh, punt return yards per, per game. Uh, Washington is seventieth. Uh, now that might not sound great until you hear what I'm about to tell you. What what Michigan is ranked. Michigan in that same category is ranked like 126th, 127th. They're in they're in the 120s. So clearly Washington has the the edge there. But also, really at, at the end of the day, guys, the biggest reason why why I have to give the edge to Washington is because Washington did not have a special team disaster class the way that Michigan did in the Alabama game. Now, sure, you might say, well, that's only just one game. doesn't really seem fair to judge just one game. Well, I think that's, that sort of incompetence can carry over uh, into the next game. I think that can turn into a mental thing. Whereas, did Washington have a special teams disaster class against against Texas? If they did, I certainly, you know, I certainly didn't, didn't see it um, at all. Um, but, the, but, yeah. That's what I, that's what I would say uh, right there. Um, and as I said before, when you're looking at the way that they defend against opponent uh, special teams, uh, look at the opponent return yards that they allowed. You'll see that Washington clears uh, Michigan there. So uh, I think um, I don't think Washington is that much better on special teams, but I think when it matters most, when when crunch time comes, the edge has to go to them, in my opinion. Yeah, when I said that this is going to be a tough and close one, I meant it. I mean, I want to throw out these numbers of how close this is. Michigan's kicker with James Turner has 16 made field goals. Well, Grady Gross, Washington's kicker, has 16 made field goals. They are on, the only difference is the amount of attempts, and that is 19 for Turner and 20. For gross, so there's only one difference there. But here's this extra points: they both have 62 attempts. Obviously, the one that was missed for gross was in the Rose Bowl, so he <laughs> is 61 for 62, whereas Grady Gross is 62 for 62. So you are seeing it close right there. But now let's talk about punt returns. So punt returns, Michigan, or sorry, Washington averages 10. Point Two two yards a return, and that is them returning it. Michigan averages ten point zero eight, so they are right there as well, neck and neck. It does change though on kick returns, but you know kick returns they they don't happen a whole lot nowadays, so I won't get into that as much. But they are neck and neck with almost every category there that I've read off. However, though, and this is where I do have to agree with David. Three of Grady Gross's 16 field goal made were in a college football playoff game against Texas, whereas Turner has one of his misses in a playoff game. So I feel like the edge has to go to Washington here because when it meant the most, their kicker, their special team showed up, whereas Michigan, it did not. Whereas if they redeem themselves with their their special teams winning the game against Alabama, maybe I could say that. But their special teams almost cost them the game. Let's not forget that. Where he fumbled the ball and brought it all the way down pretty much to the one-yard line 
at the end of the game before it went to overtime, left no room for comfort for his team to even really kneel the ball. So that's where I feel like when it comes down to it, uh, Washington's special teams did show up, and they rightfully have the edge in my book when it comes to special teams. But this isn't the only close category. The next, and this is our final category here, is who has the edge when it comes to coaching? Is it the seasoned vet who was in the NFL with Jim Harbaugh, or is it Kalen Boer who has had success at many levels within college football itself? So I'm going to let David take this first. Tell us why Kalen DeBoer has the edge in the coaching category and the whole offensive, or sorry, the whole Washington coaching staff. Because all Kalen DeBoer does is win, 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 baby. No, seriously, like look at this guy's coaching record, not just at Washington, but at all the schools that he's been to. His wins, his winning percentage is absolutely absurd. And then not only that, but he has shown that he that he can turn turn a program around just like that. Let's not forget. You guys remember what Washington's record was the year before Kalen DeBoer got there? They were four and eight, right? Four and eight. For, uh, and then, then he gets there, and now in their second year, Washington is already in the college football playoffs. That like that that's insane. And then you look at who he's done it with with my, with Michael Penix. Well, there was no guarantee that Michael Penix was even going to be the quarterback that he was. I think he had a lot of potential. I think we all saw at Indiana when Michael Penix was healthy, we could see like, okay, you know, like this guy actually has some uh, potential there. But of course the, the main problem with Penix was that he was always injured and he, he had multiple surgeries. So there was no guarantee that he was going to get to the point where he is at right now. So the fact that Michael Penix has been, has been able to blossom into the quarterback he is, uh, right now, I think is just a huge testament to, uh, to Kalen DeBoer as well. And then also, uh, Matthew, you said it yourself before about Washington, Washington's offensive line winning the Joe Moore award, which I think you should also, uh, credit to, um, uh, Kalen DeBoer as well, because clearly, you know, clearly this guy is an offensive mastermind with, with the way that he's just been able to kind of craft the sole offense together and really kind of build it around, around Penix. I mean, this offense um, lives and breathes, rides and dies uh, with Michael Penix Jr., right? Um, and uh, listen, I don't know I don't know what's going to happen when Michael Penix uh, leaves Washington when he uh, – when he gets drafted, is it possible that Washington takes a step back and uh, Kalen DeBoer looks like he was carried by Penix? Sure, that's possible, but we're not there at this point. As I said, right? Nobody thought Michael Penix would get to would be the quarterback he, he is right now, and certainly nobody thought that washing that Kalen DeBoer would be able to uh, coach Washington uh, to where they're at right now. And I think well, ultimately. I think ultimately what, what has to give DeBoer the edge is the fact that Michigan has been in a bunch of close games, right? Because a lot of times, if you're blowing out teams, sure, that's some coaching right there. But most of the time, in my opinion, that just comes down to a pure uh, talent standpoint. I mean, how do you think the Cowboys, I mean, I know this I know this is NFL, but how do you think the Cowboys have been blowing out all those teams? Because they have a clear talent advantage, but they're going to crap the bed in the playoffs because, you know, 
yeah, I think I think we all know why. Um, but when you have all these close wins, Matthew, that I think ultimately that, that comes down to coaching, right? Like, like you know, what am I going to uh, what am I going to uh, scheme up? What what plays uh, am I going to uh, draw here? Uh, how am I going to use my uh, t- timeouts effectively? And the fact that Washington has been fourteen and zero despite most of their games being in single digits is a testament to just how good uh, Kalen DeBoer ha- has been on the sidelines, especially when it comes to crunch time. So that is why, even though Jim Harbaugh is a phenomenal uh, head coach, that is why I have to give the edge to Kalen DeBoer. Yeah, I mean, you bring up some great points, and it, all he does is win. All he does is win, and he has shown that uh, through his career as a coach. And I, as a Duck fan, and I may get even roasted for this, but I like the guy. I think he is the right guy for that program. He is what that program needed, and he is doing all the right things, especially going into the Big Ten. So uh, I, I will give him that credit there. But I want to hear Ed and his remarks on why not just Jim Harbaugh, but the entire Michigan Wolverines coaching staff is going to have the edge. Sure. And yes, DeBoer has won all these games for with less than 10 point differential that shows that he can run down the clock like nobody's business, you know, (laughs) you know, by having a lead, just bleed the clock until the game's over. But you know what is a true testament to a great coaching staff? It's not having your head coach for half of their games in the season, and they still wind up undefeated. Sharon Moore coached five of the six games that uh, Harbaugh was out, and they and two of the biggest games they had this year, which was Penn State and the game against Ohio State, and they didn't skip a beat. They knew exactly who they were as a team, and everybody is bought into one unit What across the board. Jesse Minner did uh, coach in the interim for their first game of the year, but the rest of the time it's been Sharon Moore, which he has certainly earned his stripes being the offensive coordinator of this offense that has just dominated uh, using the talent that they have and gearing the offense to the personnel that they've recruited. You know, with uh, with the uh, defense, they've gotten a bunch of hosses in recruits, and Mentor has molded them into an NFL-style defense. They have done a phenomenal job of taking of being complementary of each other as one unit, the Michigan Wolverines, as opposed to the Michigan offense and the Michigan defense. They're two. They're not two separate things. They are a single unit. And Jim Harbaugh has coached the coaches, which is not talked about enough. He has coached the coaches to be able to further their development and coaching the program without him. Because who knows if this is Harbaugh's last game in Michigan, he's going to be able to leave the legacy to. Sharon Moore and anybody else that stays there as he moves on to the NFL. Yeah. Um, so Harbaugh has shown obviously throughout his career that he can win. Although he has not won the big game as a coach, 
he has won some, you know, milestone games and has brought his teams to the championship. We saw that with the Niners. We saw a bowl game win with uh, Stanford. And then now we're seeing it here with bringing Michigan to the national championship game. So they both have winning in their DNA, and that's all they want to do is win. I mean, if you're a college head coach and you don't want to win, you are in the wrong profession. So, you know, they want that, and they have that will to win. But this is a tough one, and to me, I'm looking at it as it's so close that it's 50.1% for one of these coaches and 49.9%. That's just how close I have this here. But ultimately, the edge I have to give, and that is because of what they've done um, and the success they've had in many of their ventures, is, and that's Jim Harwell. I think that not only him, but this Michigan Wolverines coaching staff, that is what they have done this year. And to lose their head coach and to still win is a tough thing to do. Granted, they weren't the best wins, and some of them were against some very trash teams, especially at the beginning. But they still were able to do that. And and not just that, but the mastermind to bring in, uh, you know, from your brother's coaching staff, Jesse Minner, to come over. I mean, this they flip-flopped. I mean, you're hearing how much, it, you know, it really mattered for both of these teams Look at the Baltimore Ravens this year. Look at that defense. Well, look at Michigan's defense and what they've been doing over the last couple of years. And that is because of a coaching mastermind by not only one, but two different Harbaugh's. So I do want to point that out there, too, because that's how great John Harbaugh is, too. And we're going to see what he does with his teams in the playoffs. But this is no discredit to Kalen DeBoer. That's why I think it is that close, 49.9% in my book. So I do think, though, that just by a slim chance that Jim Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines staff have the edge with the coaching. So, But you look at that, and if we want to tally these things up, no surprise here, it is two and two when it comes to uh, David and Ed. I mean, it, the, the last two were, were, were tough. They were close. But when it comes to the offense, I think we are in agreement that uh, Washington does have the better offense, whereas Michigan has the much better defense. But special teams and coaching, it's gonna. it may even come down to that. Who knows? We, we really don't know. But uh, with the debate points, I mean, I award two points to Ed and two points to David. However you want to uh, settle this tie, you can. But I think we should settle it with our score predictions and how we are going to see the winners here. So, David, I'm going to have you take over the score prediction first. But keep in mind, right now, the over-under is 56 and a half. So, uh, how are you seeing this? Oh, man. Well, you know, guys, um, Playing in close games for most of the year has been Washington's specialty, and I don't think it's going to stop now. I think this game is going to be a classic. I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a national championship game that we talk about for quite some time. It's going to be one of those games, and ultimately, I have the Huskies edging the Wolverines by a three-point margin, thirty-eight to thirty-five. And I think Washington scores a, a field goal within the last few minutes of the fourth quarter to uh, to uh, pull ahead. So thirty eight to thirty five, Washington is my final prediction. All right, it's gonna it's sounding close. Ed, are you seeing it close, and are you seeing the same victor? 
I am not seeing the St. Victor, and I'm not seeing it as high scoring. I'm going to take the under on this one. I'm going to go 24-23 Michigan, and simply because Michigan's going to stop one of those two-point conversions at the end of the game (laughs) to uh, take home the title. Okay, okay, okay. So here we go. We got uh, two close games there. Something inside of me is telling me to follow Ed's suit on the under and how close it's going to be, but I can't. I'm going with a 35-28 Washington Huskies victory. And he's an Oregon fan, folks, so you know he's not being biased at all. No, (laughs) it doesn't mean I'm pulling for them either. I would much rather be wrong in this situation by all means. But if they've done it throughout this whole year uh, with this offense and – I just don't see them stopping and slowing down going into uh, this championship game. Granted, they have not played a number one defense. They have not played this Michigan Wolverine team. But I just think that this offense is going to be just just so much better. So I have it thirty five to I'm sorry thirty five to twenty seven an eight point uh, margin there. So I'm taking the over with a thirty five twenty seven Washington Husky victory. So 35-27 or 35-28? I thought you said 28 before. I did. I meant to say 35-27. So 35 Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. I I was thinking uh, eight-point margin there. So 35-27 to Washington is my prediction there. But I want to hear your guys' predictions. I mean, this is the biggest game of the year. It is the final game of the year. And I would love to hear what your guys' predictions are. Are are me and David crazy going for uh, Washington here? Or is Ed crazy going with Michigan? I mean, I think it's it is the two best teams for the reason, and they are there. And I'm just I'm just looking forward to watching this game. So uh, I want to know what you guys think. If you're looking forward to it, how you guys see these things, and who you think may have the better offense, the better defense, better special teams, or better coaching, because I do think it gets pretty close towards the latter. So, um, But that is about all we have today, folks. So if you could please hit that like, subscribe button, share these videos, comment, just let us know how you guys are feeling and what we can do to help make this more better and enjoyable for you. And we lastly want to thank ADP, and that is American Daily Press, Please check them out, guys. Unbiased news, just like I try to be unbiased with uh, our sports here. They are unbiased when it comes to that. They just want to deliver but nothing but the truth. So check out AmericanDailyPress.com. Hey, you may see uh, some guys that look familiar on there. Maybe us three. Who knows? But go ahead and check them out, guys. But till next time, we are rounding third, and we are headed for home. Rest in peace, Pac-12. <laughs>